You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, the podcast that believes that if you're looking for something coming, maybe you should just look up. This week on Heart and Hand, David, what are you doing next May? I've booked a month off for a title party. Hello, welcome to Heart and Hand. My name is Cami Bell. I'm stepping in for David Edgar today. And uh, I'm pleased to say that in today's flagship, we have got some very special guests. The first of all, you'll have heard them there in the intro, Mr. David Marshall, Paisley's Rose. Afternoon, mate. I'm feeling just tops. Just tops, my friend. Excellent. Well, to go alongside Paisley's Rose, we've got the Aloha Avenger. And that <laughs> is Mr. Andy McGowan. Andrew, how are you, my fine friend? Hello, hello. Point of order, I'm not from Aloha. No, you're from Saltcoats, but Aloha makes you sound slightly more hospitable. <laughs> it's some choice to make. It is, it is. It's like, you know, would you rather get shot in the head or stabbed in the chest? So, guys, listen, we'll, we'll get cracked on because we've got tons to talk about. And uh, I'm pleased to say, Andy, it's it's all good news. It's all very, very positive news. We couldn't even uh, get Martin Ramsey on to talk about anything to, to try and bring us back down to earth a little bit. Have you... Uh, been enjoying your day in work, reminding probably some of your more um, uneducated friends about the league position so far? Yep, if you'd said to us after the Old Firm game that come the next international break, this is the position we'd be sitting in, then you would be you'd be raising an eyebrow and you'd also be taking it with both hands gladly because it's um, it looks as if Celtic have kept in touch for beating us that day, to be quite honest with you. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, listen, we'll jump straight into it. Um, I'm not giving too much away, I don't think, because you'd have to have been living on the moon to understand, obviously, what's happened within Scottish football within the last 24 hours. Um, Rangers, for the second time uh, in a week, went to a home fixture, uh, safe in the knowledge that uh, the closest rivals for the title have dropped points. Celtic, obviously, losing 2-0 earlier in the day at the Spaghetti ad through in Livingston. Um David Marshall, I suppose I want to just double check with you because we had this opportunity last week before we played Aberdeen and am I alone in thinking we were going into that game with a, a clear opportunity that we had to capitalise on? Um, and I suppose what I want to double check is were you nervous before last week, before kickoff, and were you equally nervous yesterday? That's a good question because... Last week, uh, I probably was a wee bit nervous, to be honest, because of we'd, we'd had these situations before uh, last season where they dropped points and then we the game and failed to cap- capitalise and let them off the hook. Was a wee bit nervous in that sense, and you know, going against uh, going against Aberdeen, I, I know all the trouble they've been having this season, and McInnes will tell you, you know, they they came to Ibrox with you know eleven under ten players all having one leg hanging off and whatnot. 
even though even even with all that going on, you know they still days days of game against us. Didn't expected this win though. To be fair, wasn't well expected five 0 Going into yesterday, Cammy, to be perfectly honest, I, I wasn't uh, nervous, and you know I was. I was kind of expecting myself to be, I was waiting for myself to, to get that nails to kick in, but it never really did. As soon as I found out that they'd, uh, they'd lost, I was like, well, we're going to top the league today. And I remember I finished work just before three o'clock yesterday, got home in time to watch a game. And I remember all the way up the road, it was all I was thinking about walking home was going, we're going to go top the league today. And it was just uh, that nervousness, uh, nervousness that's been with us the last, uh, well, since we came back up and going into really every game. It's, it's not there anymore to be perfectly honest. Uh, you know, I'm on a high right now. Obviously, with the team uh, winning comfortably yesterday, being top of the league, but the excitement of what could be has overtaken the nervousness right now. Andy, um, we'll kind of open up the game because I think that you know we, we we've covered going into. Um, there was obviously conversations in the build up to this that after the disappointment um, against Young Boys in the Thursday night game that we were looking for a response from the team and we were looking for them to be able to try and bounce back. Um, you add on the pressure, because there is a pressure, let's not let's not kid ourselves, there is a pressure of being able to capitalise on any opportunity that Celtic possibly give us. Um, I don't know if you were nervous or not. Um, you're quite a kind of calm guy at the best of times anyway. Um, but had you been nervous, uh, Jermaine Defoe, um, with a beautiful slide rule pass through from um, Greg Stewart uh, opens up the scoring in seven minutes um, a, a delightful chip I mean there's a point to this where I think just you see the phone and I, I don't know if maybe the keeper's at fault maybe he comes out a little bit too early um, but you've got to have some some just it, it's like just a natural order of things that when Jermaine Defoe gets presented that opportunity he's going to finish it Yep it's, um, I know it's easy to say that he's been doing it all his career but he has been doing it all his yeah. career, and it was just such a natural thing for him to do. If you watch it back in slow motion, you see the pass from Greg Stewart, which is exquisite, by the way, um, and exactly what we've been missing a lot of times against uh, pack defences at home. Do you think it'll win? The, do you think it'll win the Nobel Peace Prize like Scott Allen's pass? <laughs> do you know um, Allen's pass is probably in folklore with the Brazil 1970 team now so I don't know if we'll ever get to the heights of that in Scottish football again but it came close I'll tell you that um, <laughs> but the, the finish for Defoe if you watch it in slow motion you see him just relax his body he knows exactly what he's got to do and uh, I was right behind it and lined in the govern and it, for a moment I thought it was going to bounce back off the post but that's just a, if you were to explain Defoe to a, 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 a person that's ever seen me say that's kind of goal scores doesn't think about it, puts in the back of net, any type of finish, that's uh, that's his bread and butter. David, um, we did have a little bit of a kind of lull for about the next uh, 30 minutes or so. Um, we were unlucky with another Defoe chance mm-hmm. which hit off the post. Um, but now I'm going to be a bit, I, I'm going to go a bit down the road to kind of Martin Ramsey and a bit cynical with this. Um, Connor Goldson, um, Picks up the ball from about 35 yards out from from goal. Um, as we've seen before, plays out a nice little ball out to the wing to Tav. Uh, a touch to to put the ball a few a few inches in front of him, and he puts in an exquisite cross, which because Goldson starts his run as soon as he's going, um, falls perfectly in position for him. Just a nod in. Nobody in the Hamilton defence picks him up. Um, now I don't know what Goldson was doing obviously he's now thinking he wants to play up front uh, he, he's tried to steal goals off people already this season but he's now decided that that's what he wants to play um, it's a great goal and a great cross we'll come back and talk about Tav in a little bit um, but the second goal for us has been so crucial uh, across a number of these games to to really make sure that we settle into it but as much as we can say it's a good goal it's really poor defending in my opinion no, I think that's fair to be honest. It's from a technical uh, side of things. It's a goal that a centre half really has no right in scoring. If you're looking at it from a Hamilton point of view, or e- or even a neutral point of view, you you need to ask questions of the defensive because, as you say, you know, goals has started it and he's ran, he's ran a good thirty yards on a post right into the centre of the box and uh, been able to get free, get free to get the goal. From our point of view, though, Cammy. I- it's a great goal. I mean, 
I was a bit pissed off at the time because I had a tenner for Golson to score for header during the week there. That's 16-1. Bastard. Uh, no, but I'll, <laughs> I'll take this. So, listen, from our point of view, I think we just need to take it uh, face value. We can look at it as a guy who seen a weakness there, saw that the defence was sleeping, so took full advantage of it, made a great run and supplied a great finish. I don't want to cause they're going to be pointing fingers at each other on the defence side of things. But looking at it from a Rangers point of view, Guy saw an opportunity, took it and delivered a great goal. Yeah, so that took us through to the break. Um, and uh, 15 minutes into the second half, Rangers are awarded a free kick. Um, Andy, <clears throat> I think, um, and this is something we should talk about in the moment as well. Borna Barris steps up to be able to take it. Um, I think it does him a little bit of a disservice to say it's a carbon copy of the goal that he scored at Paisley. Because these things are exceptionally difficult to do. You've played football. You know how difficult these things are. And it can look like, well, if you do it again, you make it seem relatively straightforward. But Borna gets the gets the, the, the free kick up with some great height. And as great free kick takers can do, they can get great elevation in the ball, but with enough depth that it will come in. And that kind of the postage stamp area we're now calling the Borna corner. He just puts it straight into that little pocket where the keeper can't get close to it. It is the same goal that he scored against uh, St Mirren, but an absolutely brilliant, brilliant free kick. Um, I won't use the phrase much maligned Borna Barisic because we've spoken about him now, but to use the old cliche, you know, this is Borna Barisic is now playing like a new signing and it's great seeing him be able to to produce these um, dangers from the set piece. Yeah, the, the 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 free kick itself is absolutely top class. There's a, a couple of things about it. Uh, the fact that Tavernier and him are standing over the ball, what that does is immediately means that the goalkeeper's got a severe problem because if he's setting up his wall and he's taking a position, then he can't be sure which one to do, if it's the right or left-hand side. So that might be the difference in, in inches that Barisic needs because uh, I think the goalkeeper's fairly central for, for memory, but the execution is second to none. I think the Mirren goal was better because the circumstances were such that it was to win the game in the, in the kind of latter stage of the game, so there's more pressure. But to do that and replicate it, I think he's missed maybe one other chance. I think he's, I can remember him taking a free kick in a, a previous game since and he's, he's kind of missed it. But to do that again, the, the guy has quality, right? When we watched him, we always and we signed him. And I've said this before in pods, we, we to a man were saying this is some signing, we've actually got a bargain here. Um, but I think what we tend to forget is that the absolute holocaust that is the Scottish football and the way that they play can swallow up um, better players than Barisic and it will take time for some players to settle. Um, I've been a wee bit critical of the way Gerrard's handled him. I think he's been a wee bit harsh on him at times in terms of uh, th- not throwing him under the bus but he's referred to him in ways that it's been, it's been undeniable he's been referring to Barisic and um, Maybe it's been the right way to do it because what he's actually done is he's been pals with Gresda and Gresda will never kick a ball for Rangers again and Barisic has knuckled down and actually shown that he wants to play for us that he's got the, the ability to, to get up to the physicality and play week in, week out in a style of football that he's never been used to. And he's actually shown his defensive side as well. I think he's been pretty solid defensively, covering-wise, pace-wise, tucking in. He's turning into, and I'm touching mood as I say this, a decent version of Tavernier on the other side bastard. because <laughs> <laughs> no no it no, was no. some free kick to be fair Andy trust, trust you Marshall but uh, what we're seeing here is that you're, you're seeing boys coming in the box for the left hand side that we normally see coming for the right hand side so um, what a major asset is and I think he's making the left back position his own I can't, I can't see you, you might see Flanagan coming in as a specialist in certain games or away from home in Europe or something like that maybe at Parkhead I don't know but I think um, it's a major, major bonus to actually see now that we've got a settled left back because I thought that was a problem position uh, the first five, six games of the season. Yeah, everybody did. Mm-hmm. David, there's there's a point here, and Andy's listen. Andy's totally right. I think what what's now starting to happen is we've seen teams come to well, well come to Ibrox, but also when we've seen away from home, and and what they've done is they've started to stick two men on Tavernier because they know what he can produce and they know the quality he's crossing they know that yeah. obviously from an assist perspective we're there um, 
Do you agree with Andy that we're now starting to see that from Barisic and the other side of things, albeit not necessarily from an assisting perspective, let's not you know, separate the two, but the guy fundamentally is becoming a threat and now he is starting to nail down, in my opinion, at least that left-back position is his own. I'd absolutely agree with that. Um, listen, I was one of the ones, like, you know, over the, particularly over the summer, I think every time I'd done the, the daily update on Patreon with yourself or David, I was always going on about how I wanted us to get a, a new left-back and, and a, a first-team starting left-back because I simply didn't think that Borna Barisic was going to make it at Rangers. I am absolutely delighted to see him prove me wrong. The player we've, we've had this season is night and day to, to what we had last year. And, you know, I, I agree with Andy's point as well. You know, maybe Gerard, uh, maybe Gerard was a bit harsh on him, but I don't think he was any harsher than any of the fans were. I thought he was done. I thought he was never going to make it here. And it was something I didn't think he had in him to show that mental character to pick himself back up and establish that left-back place. He is, without a doubt, now the number one Rangers left-back. That is his shirt, that is his position. It's a tremendous turnabout from this guy. And to further your point there, Cam, as well, he is 100% an asset and a weapon for us now. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I definitely think so. And I, I, again, like you say, he's definitely providing a real threat. And he's enjoying his football, you can see. Oh, yeah. Um, certainly when, um, you know, obviously the goal goes in. And, and again, I'm not taking anything away from it. It sounds easy to say, yeah, you can knock them in. But they, they are too. And Andy used the phrase, you know, world-class free kicks. They absolutely are. And, um, again, like you say, I think it's it's great to be able to see him enjoying that as, as much as he is. Um, there was no let-off for Hamilton, as a couple of minutes later, Jermaine Defoe gets uh, a bit bored of other people scoring goals, so he decides to get back into the act. Um, Andy, um, you know what you're doing in a football park. Um, I've seen you play against five-year-olds. Um, <laughs> this, this one, so one of the things I like about Jermaine Defoe and what we've talked about in other pods is, um, I think that there's a bit of a polar opposite to Alfie, and Alfie will ragdoll defenders. Do you know what I mean? I think his arse is as wide as a Clyde, and he can move defenders out of the way. There's a lot of physical presence to him. Defoe, not necessarily known for that, um, doesn't probably meet him um, as, a, as in a similar kind of uh, perspective on the on the physicality side of things. But what Jermaine Defoe can do is that he can make intelligent runs, he can take defenders with him, he can create space where there is none, um, and and again, either he will score from that opportunity or he'll create an opportunity for a teammate to score. This goal, the second goal, the fourth of the game, um, is something completely different. The ball comes to him, he has his back to goal, something which I think he's doing more and more of and what I think he's actually enhancing. Rangers with his back to goal and been able to try and lay off but rather than lay off which we've seen you know from our, our forward play certainly in the kind of final third um, playing some nice one twos etc as well um, the the Hamilton fullback uh, Brian Easton is, is touch tight to him Defoe spins him using a, a lovely wee touch to be able to try and take him over his right shoulder he gets away from him um, and using probably a really good technique which I, I think we've seen a lot of great goal scorers use he puts the ball through the oncoming defender's legs uh, over towards the keeper's right-hand post. Um, it's just real quality. I think it's just absolutely brilliant striking. Yeah, so, I mean, even for, for Defoe's early days at West Ham as a youth, it's not as if he's just realised a couple of weeks ago he's five foot six. This boy's had to actually make his game... Uh, accommodate the fact that he's never ever going to be a big guy and he's never going to be a muscle powerhouse um, so what he's done is he's used intelligence, he's used movement he's used, uh, now he uses the experience as well, married to that um, to make himself uh, adaptable because what he is, is, as we're saying Morelos plays a slightly different game to him because you're quite comfortable getting Morelos to ball with a, a defender at his back whereas when you do that with Defoe Slightly less chance of it sticking, um, particularly away from home in Europe or in, in bigger games against Aberdeen, Celtic. You've got um, the ability to hit you in the break if you don't hold it up. So he's got this natural ability of being able to get a touch and spin. Um, and he always likes to get a shot away, regardless of where he is around the box, which is something I've always loved about him. Uh, and yesterday was just a kind of perfect example. He knows exactly what he's going to do before he gets the ball and he fashions the space 
to get his good foot wrapped around the ball and, and fires it low across the a goal across the, a get across the goal on target, which is always going to give you a chance. So all right, it's Hamilton are playing right and, and no disrespect to Hamilton, but yesterday I, I always expected us to beat Hamilton. There was no nerves as you mm. refer to earlier on. I, I, if there was one team I wanted to play in those circumstances yesterday, it would be Hamilton because of they've never really kind of uh, did what other teams have done and made themselves hard to beat. They've always been a fairly easy touch for us since we came back up. So um, I think by that point, Hamilton were in disarray. I think they were finding every aspect of our forward play hard to handle uh, and Defoe just took advantage of that because what I was wanting to say as well, guys, was that the Golden goal in isolation, you're absolutely correct that Hamilton would look at that and say that's piss poor defending. But in the context of that 20-minute period of play, they were hanging on for their lives because we were running them ragged and they were chasing shadows and, and they were in disarray. And that's why the likes of Goldstein could run, I don't know, whatever it was, 30 yards, 35 yards for when he passed it into the box on a post because they didn't know what was happening. They were hitting them through all angles. You had Ojo, you had Stewart, you had Defoe, you had midfield players making runs, you had Def, uh, Davis making runs. So th- th- these things don't happen in isolation. Um, it's because you wear them down. And uh, I, I thought that goal was, was Defoe's pick of the bunch, actually, even better than the lob. I thought it was just a marvellous piece of inventiveness and um, purpose. It, it, he's, he's 37, and you would never know it. If you didn't know he was 37, you'd be saying this guy's worth how much, how many millions? 37 today, no less. So, yeah, listen, you're absolutely right. And, and I think I agree with you. I think it is the best goal of the bunch because, as you say, it's that inventiveness. It is the selfishness. And, and let's face it, he's a very generous player. He'll always look to be able to try and either, as I said beforehand, create opportunities, create assists uh, where he can. But he, uh, you know, you can tell he's well liked amongst the group. Um, but when he, he gets that sniff, it's that poacher's instinct. But he created that opportunity all on his own. He's 25 yards out from goal when he receives the ball. Oh. Um, and as we were kind of just mentioning there, he completes the hat trick. Now, David, I want to touch a little bit on Greg Stewart. Um, because Jermaine Defoe's goal to complete his hat-trick comes from some fantastic work by Greg Stewart, who cuts inside his defender. Um, the defender, the Hamilton Aki's player, is, I think he has to pay to get back in. Uh, Stewart turns him that well. A brilliant save um, by the, the, the Hamilton goalkeeper. Um, but the ball falls kindly for Defoe, as pair with someone of his calibre. He's in the right place at the right time. He smashes it high, goes into uh, goes into to overdrive because that's his hat trick. Um, Greg Stewart for me felt very much like a bit of a lukewarm signing, and yeah. again, I won't wouldn't be a hypocrite. I wasn't overawed by the fact that Greg Stewart was coming to Rangers. Um, I wasn't really sure where he would fit in. I didn't really know if he would be able to get an opportunity and to be able to try and take it. But looking at his games against, you know, in, in the two five nils, Aberdeen and Hamilton Ackies, um, I think he's been a key player in both games. Um, exceptionally unlucky not to finish that chance. It was actually a really good save by Williams in the goal, but um, it falls obviously very kindly to Defoe. But Greg Stewart, for me, he, he's becoming a real selection headache now for the manager. Yeah, listen, when we signed Stewart, uh, I was a bit like yourself. I was lukewarm to it. I thought this is a guy that. You know, he, he very much fell under that can do a job kind of category for me. But was it exactly, you know, when I, I was busting to see play for us? Then, you know, as it goes on, he's not really getting time for us. Matter of fact, I did a show with Hoggy uh, just before the Aberdeen game, and we were both in agreement saying, just don't get, just don't really understand why you've signed this guy. Then he goes on to have uh, the his, the performance he did against Aberdeen, where he was he was absolutely unplayable to performance. Then he comes on, uh, starts again against Hamilton. And you know, as you said, the other Cammy, his performance basically had everything, uh, everything but but the goal. Yeah, he's done he's done really well for me, and uh, he's very much you know again, it's, he's going further from this to a job. He's going to be somebody that could be really important for us in these kind of games. These uh, like games at Ibrox, I, I don't know if he's going to feature for us too frequently in the 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 big European games or whatnot, but that's fine. Um, he doesn't have to. If he does his job in his game for us, that's going to be a valuable asset for us. Absolutely fantastic yesterday. And it's something you can tell uh, when he is playing for us. It obviously means a lot to him and he's 
out there trying his best. I think, you know, come the come the end of the season, Cammy, I think a lot of us are going to just have to admit that Greg Stewart is a better player than a lot of us first thought. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. And I think um, certainly um, for myself, uh, you know, I, I, I'm glad that he's he, he's been able to change my, my opinion on him and I apologise for the fact that I probably should have given him more credit than it's due. But David, you touched on a really good point there, which is around um, some of the squad rotation. And Andy, I'm keen to kind of get your thoughts on this. I, I purposely didn't talk about the lineup because I want to talk a little bit around... Um, Sunday's game management, the starting lineup, the substitutions used, and probably where that impacts us uh, going forward once uh, we're past international break. So, um, for those of you who don't know, the starting defence um, on Sunday was Connor Goldson and George Edmondson. Um, obviously, we've seen Katic come back in, and we've obviously seen Hellander uh, get more game time as well. Greg Stewart started, uh, which I think was absolutely deserved. Um, she Ojo maintained his berth. Um, Stephen Davis uh, started as well. So there's a pretty much of a mix of trusted lieutenants, you know, the, the kind of old faithful. Um, the really great news, um, in my opinion, Andy, is that we got to see the return of Jamie Murphy. Um, he came on to give uh, Stephen Davis, who was excellent, by the way. He really, really was superb, Stephen Davis, on Sunday. Um, great to see Jamie Murphy return. Um, albeit we're 4-0 up but at the same time as we're bringing Murphy on we also brought on Matt Polster he came on for Scott Arfield um, and uh, Ojo came on with 50, or came off with 50 minutes to go uh, to give Alfie a wee bit of a run uh, and unfortunately no goals for Alfie this time but when you're um, 5-0 down to Rangers and you see Alfredo Morelos coming on with blood probably pouring out of his mouth because he's desperate to have a go at you uh, you know you're going to be in for even more of a torrid time Andy, we, we, we've kind of discussed this before in terms of obviously the fixture schedule and, and Europe's brilliant and it's great to be able to have the the problem of so many games because you're still involved in tournaments. But I think Gerard for me on Sunday showed that he will u- utilise his resources. He will um, look to be able to involve players who, you know, either coming back from injury or maybe haven't been fully utilised across the squad. Um, we've seen, as we just touched on with David there, Greg Stewart coming in and taking his opportunities, so he is in the manager's thoughts. Uh, we've got some key injuries, obviously Ryan, uh, Ryan uh, Kent being one of them, Ryan Jack being another one, Jordan Jones. Um, he has to be able to do things like this to be able to utilise his resources and and spread out the minutes and the legs, etc. as well. Um, were you pleased in terms of being able to see these guys coming back and do you think that it's going to be beneficial for us going forward? I I think, and I've kind of tempered my comments on this. I, I think we've got a very very good squad this year. I think the the recruitment's been exceptionally good, and uh, just my top and twelfth and Greg Stewart. This is my I told you so moment because I watched Stewart <laughs> play. <laughs> I watched Stewart play for Dundee even way back when Warburton was looking at him, and he was always a very good player. Um, what's happened to him since is he's obviously been doing it Birmingham, but it's not quite happened to him happened for him doing there I, I, I would regard a higher level but he's, he's balled to it a wee bit he's um, obviously showed what he could do with Kilmarnock, he was the best player in Scotland outside Old Firm last year when he was playing for Kilmarnock uh, and what he's done now is he's come into the team, I don't think it's any coincidence it's taken him this long to get in the team because I think what he's done is he's now conditioned as a Rangers player, he's that wee bit fatter than you are playing for Aberdeen or Kilmarnock you're now playing for Rangers, he's a wee bit fatter he's probably getting a wee bit sharper playing with better players in training and I think he's hungry for it because I know he, I know personally he wants to play for Rangers always his, so there's something uh, driving him. So I'm not surprised that Craig Stewart's doing what he's doing when he's come on because he's a he's a wide striker and they're invaluable because what they do is they, they cause a bit of problem because he's not an out and out winger and it means defenders have got to watch where he goes. And, and if you're a fullback and, and Greg Stewart comes in centrally, having started wide left or wide right, you've either got to pass him on or you've got to follow him in. So he moves players about. And he can drop deep, and then when he drops deep, he can pass. So, um, Greg Stewart for me is was a very, very good signing on a on a free. In fact, I think it was it was a sensational bit of business because um, he's something we've missed. We've not had a player with that inventiveness. We've had wingers, we've had guys that could beat a man, but we've not had a player that's that wee bit of intelligence and can also play as a kind of winger come striker. So that's my 
that's my gag Stuart tutorial for the day <laughs> to, to answer your question <laughs> to answer your question I'm I'm usually very respectful of fellow Rangers fans but I'm, I'm constantly astounded at the comments I read on Twitter or whatever I even talk to my pals and they're saying why have we got four centre-halves for? Why are we buying this guy? Why are we buying... Because it's a squad game and all you need is players of uh, Polster, Murphy, Stewart, Jones to a lesser degree. All you need them to do is to come, come in and contribute at some points over the season. You don't need them to be playing every week. Yeah. You don't need them to be scoring goals every week. All you need to do is you need them to be coming in and contribute and that kind of cumulative contribution between players like that adds up to a title challenge. And the player I always refer to, and folk laugh at me, but this is the truth, Andreas Velicka. Pretty shit, pretty basic. Never, ever going to be a starting player for us. He came in and played, I don't know, 10 games for us. And those goals, you could argue, contributed to us winning leagues in very, very tight situations. So this is the, the, the beauty of having a squad. This is why Celtic have been untouchable. Although they've had no competition, but they've been untouchable because they've had players drop out and they've been able to bring in play, players of a lesser standard, in inverted commas, but they've still, still been able to contribute and make a difference. We've now got a, a core players, a core of players that, that basically will be starting if, if they're fit, and that's McGregor, Tavernier, Goldson, Davis, Ryan Jack when he's fit, um, and I'd probably say Morelos, although there's a bit of rotation there between them and Defoe. Those guys are our go-to players, and round about those, um, you've got the guys that have, have got a chance of either keeping their jersey or not. And Polster's an example. Polster's done all right when I've seen him. I've seen him against Derby and he looked tidy. I've seen him against East Fife at right back. He was pretty poor. And then when he came on the other night, other day, he, he was fine. You're five, four or five, not, not right enough. But he looks as if he can go about the park. He looks as if he can, he can press. He looks as if he can pass the ball. And, and you're, you're really saying, well, how bad can a guy be if we need a, a holding midfielder? Uh, Murphy's a major, major bonus. He falls in the same category as Greg Stewart. For me, a guy that's got a bit of inventiveness. Not really got a pace. He needs to play as an out-and-out winger, but he can play as a wide striker. And, and that's a superb complementary um, addition you can have to either Defoe or Morelos playing, playing centrally. So I like to have players that can play just off the striker. Um, and go a wee bit wide um, and Murphy's um, long overdue coming back I'm delighted to see him back so you're right Gerard got it spot on and as soon as we went 3 or 4 nothing us, or up Davis came off because he's obviously got to be wrapped in cotton wool because we would severely miss him if, if he was to be missing for any number of games because he is an absolute heartbeat of our team just now he's dictating play he's covering players he's reading the game fantastically well he's driving forward he's He's a complete midfielder and, and at this moment in time he's absolutely my player of the year so far. But the squad's there. The squad's looking fantastic as far as I'm concerned. There's Edmondson as well. What a prospect. And he's probably behind Hellander and uh, Cattage. So that that's a major yardstick in terms of how much we've improved in just a year. David, I think um, you know what we've got to also look at and, and I think it's to do a bit of kind of due diligence in terms of where we're at. Everyone was pissed off at the beginning of September um, after the Celtic result. Um, we had really just not long kicked off the league. We were still kind of finding ourselves. We went from a few days beforehand, a brilliant high of getting into the European group stages after obviously beating Legia in the last the, the, the last seconds of the game um, to a fairly comfortable victory for Celtic um, at Ibrox. Everyone was kind of pissed off, you know, from, from whatever's happened from there. One of the things you've got to look at now is the reaction of the players and uh, the management team since that defeat. So, um, in all competitions domestically, we've conceded one goal. Um, in the last three games in the league, we have scored 14 without reply. The one goal that we have conceded against Livingston at home was a penalty. Um you would never have, I mean, I suppose you, you always want to be able to do the old adage of taking game by game, etc. But this is us now being able to provide a level of consistency, ironically, that we didn't get when we beat Celtic at the turn of the year last year, that we were screaming out for. And now, mm. um, I suppose, as, as, as um, 
self-assured as it might sound, it feels like some of these victories are routine at the moment. And we haven't been in this position for years. Um, leagues are not won and lost in October, I think we know that. But right now, you really have to admire how well Rangers are being able to play week on week, keeping things tight at the back, despite the rotation, and, and as Andy just mentioned there with Edmondson. Um, it's just a phenomenal domestic run we've been going on. Yeah, I think you, you raise a couple of good points here, Cam, when you talk about uh, the the start of the season and try to find, find their feet. The form or the, the performances rather uh, weren't great, to be perfectly honest. There was a couple of real, real struggles and slogs. However, what was what was important was getting the wins, and that was something that we weren't doing there, weren't doing last season. We would struggle in games and then drop points. My worry at that point domestically was, you know, that that can't go on forever. We can't perform, uh, you know, the way we did see it against um, St Mirren or, or Livingston and hope to take that over the course of the season, that that will eventually catch catch up as we need to start putting in the performances. Then Aberdeen comes and, you know, we, we totally blow them away. Then, you know, obviously the weekend comes, we blow, we blow Hamilton away as well. And what, you know, the thing that really brings it home for me, Cammy, is when you start talking to people who aren't Rangers fans and you listen to them talk about us, not that we particularly care about what they think about Rangers, but... It's a realisation from elsewhere, you know, people are going, you know, Rangers are actually, they're actually a good team. And that le- allows you, as a Rangers supporter, to sit back and go, we, we are a good team. We are here, uh, where we are at this point in the league, by merit. We are the, we have been the best team in the league since the start of the season. Our one major blip was that Celtic game, which, in a way, makes that even more frustrating because, oh, they were there for the taking, you know, and... We we had to put in our worst performance of the season against them. We have, but as you say, though, our recovery and the reaction since then has been absolutely superb. They make no mistake about it. They turned up at Ibrox end of August, won that day, and thought they'd won the league. They absolutely did. So for us to go in here and to win win every game domestically since then is superb, and it speaks uh, it speaks about a lot about the character from this team. You're right, what you say there, Cami. Um, Leagues and trophies are not won in, in October. However, what gives me hope and what gives us a promise, I think, is I think we now have a team that is men- mentally capable of sustaining a title challenge. And I think, I'm not saying we have won the league or we're going to win the league, but if you were to ask me, do I think we can win the league? Absolutely. And uh, David obviously kind of touched upon there in terms of where we were from a domestic perspective. What it, can I just bring it back a second? Um, to talk about uh, the young boys game, um, obviously, on, on Thursday evening. Um, and I suppose now that the the, the, the fallout from that has settled, I'm keen to kind of get your take on where we were from the the immediate reaction to that uh, and, and probably laying some of the blame and some of the abuse uh, at James Tavernier's door. For my two cents, I don't think Tav has started the season as well as he has done in previous seasons. That's not to necessarily say that he's playing badly. I also think he's a hugely um, he's hugely self-critical of his own performances. And sometimes you see in his body language that maybe he's aware of the fact that he believes that he's got another gear that he can go up into. Thursday night was incredibly disappointing because... Um, the feeling is obviously that we've 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 been the masters of our own downfall, and that you know we uh, we we looked very very sloppy at times, and it's a little bit yin and yang because we're performing so well domestically, and you're hoping that you can carry that into Europe, and obviously the home win against Feyenoord was was massive for us. I take it the the overall feeling I think from from you having spoken to you is that the abuse that Tav is getting is absolutely uh, not merited and I think that we probably need to do what you would normally do and exercise a bit of caution, have a think about where we're criticising some of the players and, and especially when we're talking about ridiculous sentiment like removing the captaincy from them etc how do we how do we help get him back into that place of confidence and where he's performing well and do we need to be less immediately reactive in terms of um, probably allowing players the opportunity to make mistakes, God forbid. 
Aye, I know we live in a 24-hour news cycle and Twitter allows us to publish our thoughts instantaneously as things happen on a pitch, right? But I think, I I don't think, I've often said I don't think Twitter's an accurate reflection because there's there's Rangers fans that are in the stadium and if Twitter was an accurate reflection then there'd be pitchforks at Ibrox every week. So I don't think the, the match going bare, your average Rangers fan that goes to games uh, is as reactive, knee-jerk, without perspective as your average kind of Twitter account. But I thought the reaction to Tavernier, and I thought the reaction to the, the defeat on Thursday against Young Boys was majorly over the top. I thought it was ridiculous. I think, um, and, and and people say, aye, but Andy, you kind of keep saying, remember where we were three, four, five, six years ago. Uh, you can, because it's a fact, right? And you've got to understand that the best Rangers teams we've seen in our lifetime still dropped points, still had players that made mistakes, still had um, question marks over various aspects of the game. It's the nature of football. And what we sometimes ask your team and our players and what we expect, I know that's what's made Rangers. I know that's the standards and that's what drives us forward and has made us as successful as we can. But in the moment, we should temper things with perspective. Now it's easy to say because I'm that's my nature. I'm quite uh I'm quite an Alex Staff. Alex Staff is the same, except he's even more laid back. <laughs> you've got to, you've got to look at things either um in the context of where you are, what's happened, even in a game. So I'm talking about goals and goal. That's the perspective I had because it wasn't just about that that thirty second burst, it was the last twenty minutes. So the young boys game, you're playing against the champions of Switzerland, right? So you can say you want about Switzerland and Swiss football. We're playing for Scotland, right? So we can't talk about MD standard of football. You're playing the champions of Switzerland. They've had good results at home. They beat Man United not that long ago. They've got um, a very competent team. They've got pace through the team. They've got experience internationally. So this isn't Hamilton we're playing. So there was always a potential for us to get beat or to, to drop points in that game. What happened in the game was as we competed very well. I thought spells of the possession football we had was absolutely excellent. We were just missing that wee bit of quality in the final third. And the the, the, the game was very even. I thought we were very evenly balanced against them as we were very evenly balanced against Feyenoord. So that is the level we're playing at just now. And the fact that we're, um, we're playing and we're competing and our expectations are such that we're looking to go to this group is actually a very, very good sign. But you've got to remember it can go wrong. Now, Tavernier made the mistake for the first goal. I thought he was unlucky because he was trying to play out for the back and he should have just lumped it, right? But he's actually usually very, very good at playing out for the back in those tight, those tight situations. And I thought, actually, the Goldson and Helander didn't cover their certain glories at that goal either. So it wasn't a total unit to Tav. And then the, the, the second goal, it was a bad mistake, right? That can happen. That can happen, and, and it can happen, especially in those shitty pitches. So I think Tavernier, um, and I'm a big admirer of Tavernier. I really, really like Tav. I think even back to the dark, the, the, the dark days of 5-0 against Celtic, he was the only guy that I could point in that pitch and say, do you know what, he's the only guy that can compete physically, athletically, and football-wise. He's actually been let down by being an absolute shit team. So the fact he's a captain and he's one of the first things Gerard did was make him captain, I don't think you can disregard that. There's a reason for that. Um, and I think that anybody that was talking about taking away the captaincy, first of all, why? What difference does it change things? And secondly, dropping them. That, that, this really astounded me because if you've watched Rangers at all for the past two years, probably longer, but certainly under Gerard, you would realise and you'd appreciate that Tavernier on the right-hand side, especially when Candace was there, is our go-to default attacking and if we're chasing a game with 10 minutes to go and we're needing a goal what do we do we get the ball to Tavernier as often as possible so I think if you took Tavernier out of that team even when he's playing poorly or relatively speaking poorly you would you would see a massive massive difference in terms of the attacking potency and uh, the quality because there he's put a ball in uh, for that second goal to Goldson which if we were watching that in the Spanish or the Italian football, we'd be saying, fucking hell, that is world class. We now take for granted that kind of ball. And actually, it got, I got a wee bit annoyed at the game yesterday, Hamilton versus Hamilton, because, I don't know, first 20 minutes, you could sense a wee bit of needle 
towards Tavernier when he made the slightest hint of a mistake. And we demand that he's, every ball he puts in is absolute perfection. It's not going to happen. But more often than not, his balls are dangerous. They ask questions of the defenders or their goalkeeper. And I think he'd be very, very hard pushed to uh, find a player that puts balls in as often and as accurately and as dangerous as Tavernier. I think the whole thing has been um, very, very telling uh, on our support. I think we need to have a wee self-analysis ourselves and how we treat players. I thought it was ridiculous, to be quite honest with David, I suppose so. This this is something which I think is quite interesting. Obviously, this deals with some of your your world and your background, the social mm. media stuff. We've um, we've obviously seen um, the reaction from the great unwashed, the Ryan Christie having rightfully been sent off against Livingston yesterday, had to delete his social media accounts because of the amount of abuse that he was getting. Fortunately, Tav's not had to go down that road because you know we're all sensible and you know various other things. However, there's a point to this where. When you think about the, the the league and how long a league lasts, and we went through, well, Andy and I more so have went through the nine in a row season. It is awful. It is pressure every single week. Um, you're virtually playing a cup final every other weekend um, because you've got to win. You've got to be able to try and get it. That will only continue to ramp up now for Celtic. But we need to make sure that we're keeping our own house in order by remaining calm, by not probably doing... And I think, I mean, I don't know, I don't want to put words in Andy's mouth. It feels to me as if maybe one of the words he's searching for is a bit like a, like an overreaction almost mm-hmm. um, to what happened to young boys. Um, I totally agree with that. I think that, that Tav sets himself very, very high standards. Um, but we need to probably make sure that before we do have that instant reaction that ability to you know go onto social media to say whatever we want to have that vent if you will mm-hmm. we need to be really cautious about how we we take a breath and take a minute and just um endure across the entire season because this isn't going to be a quick walk in the park we're going to be talking about months and yeah. months of pressure building up and if things go our way I think that you'll start to see adverse reactions coming from their side of the city which is fine because we want them to make mistakes and to have the re-implosions and all the rest of it. But the good opportunity now is to, to see you've got to treat your players with respect. They do have almost direct access to players now in social media. Um, we need to make sure that we're presenting ourselves in the right way with that, even when we are bitterly disappointed in particular games where, I don't want to say we threw it away, but we threw it away. Yeah, well, firstly, I was uh, I was four when we completed nine in a row, so I was fairly laid back that season. Uh, Andy was six. Yeah. <laughs> no, to, to your point, no, and I'm going to... Uh, I'm not necessarily going to disagree with a lot of Andy said, but just a few counterpoints here as well. I think what we need to, we need to get here is the right balance between criticism and abuse. Um, quite frankly, as supporters, I think we should always uh, we should always have the right to be critical. It's when you take that too far and it does get to the levels of abuse. So first things first, if you ever tag a player on Twitter and and even be critical towards them and tag them on Twitter, you're an arsehole. Don't do it. You get absolutely nothing from it. That is brain dead behaviour. Do not tag any player in, on on Twitter. Whether he's a Rangers player or any other, just just don't do it. It's not a good look. Um, Andy raises a point there. Uh, one I actually agree with about uh, Twitter not being not being a good representation of the you know of the match going support as a whole. I would agree with that, but at the same time, and Andy touches on this when he talks about there being niggle inside the stadium for Tav. Ibrox is not a patient stadium, and we are not a patient support. So again, it goes back to that. If you're a Rangers player, you have to be able to take take this criticism on, and if you can't handle it, and we have had players over the last uh, six seven years who simply can't handle it, you you don't deserve uh, to to be a Rangers player, quite fl- frankly. And I don't think James Tavernier falls into that category at all. I have, you know, I'll, I'll hold my hands up. I have been uh, critical of James Tavernier this season purely because you know I'm a big Tav fan, and I don't think he has uh, he has reached his he isn't reaching that level of form that he's capable of because I, I hold him very high regards. I don't understand people who 
don't get what he brings to our team or want them stripped to the, the captaincy. Don't understand that at all. But for James Tavernier's standard, I don't think he's uh, matched that uh, so far this season. It is, you know, again, going forward, Cam, you talk about needing to, to, to be level-headed. This is going to be an absolute battle of a season. It's going to be, as you say, emotions are going to run high. There's going to be ups, there's going to be downs. Absolutely, always, we should always have the right to be critical of our team. But if we get a bad result, do not go and abuse our own players. You get absolutely nothing from that. And maybe we do need to be a wee bit more patient at Ibrox as well. It's going to be a hell of a ride from here on out. We, But we're all in this together. Look back to the last time we won league titles. It seems like so long ago now. But one of the great things we had with um, with between the support and the Walter Smith teams was... And we talked about this for the three years that we that we were winning leagues and trophies underwater. There was a great connection between the between the support and the teams. That's something that can be lost uh, through history because what happened in the in the years after that, and a lot of the connection with that team was lost because of the following season, the season after that, and what happened in the summer of 2012. However, at that time there was a great connection between the fans' support. I think we're just not maybe not quite there. But I think that overall, I think there is a big connection between the fans' sport. Look at look at the stuff like uh, Alfie on the bench on Saturday clapping along with the fans to uh, every Saturday we follow. That is superb. There's a lot of players in this team that love, pretty much all of them, they love being Rangers players. And you can see it when they're on the park. You can see it when they're when they're on their own social media and they're talking about what an honour it is to play play for this club. What an honour it is to play in front front of support. Just about every single every single player in this team that's worth enters loves strangers. Even the ones that are on the fringes uh, that don't get played love being a Rangers player. Look at Matt Poster and, and all his family taking to taking to the Rangers uh, taking to the Rangers family. It is superb. We need to keep the we need to keep the head so far. And it's simple things. Don't abuse your your own players on Twitter. Every as a support, if we do our jobs and again it's doing the simple things, we'll be all right. But just Absolutely, reserve the right to be critical. We can say when a player like Tav sold the jersey in first day and he was at fault for two goals. You don't need to go any further than that. It is what it is. He has done a lot more good for us and he and he has bad and he will do so going forward. You can be critical when there's a right to be critical, but you but there's never never any right right reason for crossing that line. Andy, um, looking forward, um, we will come back to the unfortunate timing of the international break in just a minute. Um, however, when we come back into league action on the uh, 20th of October, um, the tables are turned slightly uh, for what's happened in the last couple of Sundays because we are the early kickoff. We are away to Wernham Hog FC um, through in Tynecastle. <laughs> um, we're the quarter past 12 kickoff. Uh, the Animals kickoff uh, against Ross County at home at three o'clock. Um, now, I'm not one to suggest that Craig Levine would lie down to Rangers purely because he hates Neil Lennon more than a lot of Rangers fans. But we we have to try and maintain the momentum that we've been able to build up and not allow the awful international break to unsettle us. Would you agree with that? Aye. I mean, the... the I'm, I'm on record of saying that our success this season or not will be defined by how we, we ride the punches. And um, I'm trying to think of that Rocky quote. Can you remember? It's something like, it's not how hard you get hit, it's about how many you can take and keep moving forward. We've got to make sure that we don't get too euphoric in victory and we don't get too despondent in, in uh, defeat because, you know, we could go to Tynecastle. They've no one at, how long? No one for six months at Tynecastle or something like that. So they're going to win at some point. And if it's against us and we go back second, then we've got to keep calm. We've got to remember that these things, we will drop points this season. It's just a matter of keeping in touch and making sure that we keep them under pressure. Because as you've said, Cammy, we know what it's like to live between uh, eight and nine in a row. It is absolute pressure because you've got everything to lose. And as I've said for long and weary here, the last seven, eight years since our travail started will count for nothing for Celtic if they if they finish up with eight or nine in a row, even nine in a row, because if they don't get ten, their worlds collapse. So we've got to remember that in some senses we've nothing to lose here because they have everything, everything to lose. Their whole reason d'etre for the last seven or eight years is on the line. 
And I think they know that themselves because what you see yesterday with their defeat at Livingston um, is that they know that there's too much to lose here for them. They just can't comprehend it. So we've got to just stay in touch and make sure that we uh, recover from the setbacks we will have this season and keep going and keep going and keep going and see what it takes us because uh, anything can happen. And Hearts will be a major test for us because I think Celtic's fixtures... I think they play Royals County um, the day before, don't they? Um, so they, sorry, Cameron, were they playing the Saturday? Will that be moved to Sunday as well? We're both playing Sunday that day. We're both we're both playing Sunday. We're both um, playing Sunday. So they yeah. play Royals County, which I've got to generally presume is going to be three points for them, uh, and then the week after they're away to Aberdeen, which I, I don't really even hold. We should think of that as a banana skin for them, but against Aberdeen, there's, there's no chance of that. So we've got to take care of business. We've got to keep the momentum going. But I think what's more important is that if we do get a reset back, we've actually got to just keep uh, the heads up, keep the, the belief there and, and keep going because um, we've got to have confidence in ourselves now. We are not the team we were last year. We're certainly not the team we were the years before. We have a good squad, we've got the players, we've got the mentality. It's just a case of keeping it going. I totally agree, totally agree. And I think that now we find ourselves in the driver's seat, um, the pressure should move to us as part of that because we've got to maintain that momentum, we've got to maintain the, the focus on not only you know the performances but more importantly the result and, and being able to try and drive it forward. Okay, folks, well, listen, that will pretty much do us for this week. Um, As I mentioned already, unfortunately, we are heading into another dreaded uh, international break. Um, If you're going to cheer on a team, it certainly won't be Scotland, as Ryan Jack is obviously pulled out of the squad. Um, But hopefully Alfie, David, might get a wee run out for Colombia, because he's obviously been pulled up to the squad, and you're hoping to to see him getting um, into uh, the international scene a little bit more. Yes, listen, if Alfie starts uh, featuring for uh, Columbia and starts doing well for him, it's only going to uh, it's only going to benefit us. He will grow as a player, playing uh, international football and playing with the players in that squad. And, of course, on the other side of things, it will raise that valuation of him just that wee bit higher. And uh, our Scotland playing, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, apparently so. Yeah, but uh, you know, I, I'm sure I heard that someone, uh, and then quickly discarded it. Okay, <laughs> folks. Well, listen. Um, if you like what you've heard from myself and David and Andy uh, today, please head over to our Patreon site, where you can get content as fabulous as this, up to three shows a day, sometimes even more when we're feeling particularly generous. Um, our Patreon site is p a t r e o n dot com forward slash heart and hand. Um, again, as I say, you will receive daily updates. You will receive um, some great shows about Rangers, about the time capsules and former games that we've played in, um, moments that matter, um, shows about The Simpsons, uh, which Mr. Marshall is involved in, which is hilarious um, as well. It's the best show on there, let's be honest. Let's be honest, it is. Yeah, I know. All that other football rubbish can just put to one side. But if you aren't a member and not subscribed, for goodness sake, why not? The other thing as well is that if you really like what you've heard and want to see more of us in person, we are coming to Bathgate um, with a good personal friend of the show, Kevin Thompson. We are playing at the Regal Theatre in Bathgate on the 23rd of November. It's a Saturday. Tickets are still available. Um, if you want to go onto either a Heart and Hand site um, or the quicker way to do it is if you're on social media, if you go onto David's site which is or David's Twitter page, which is at Ibrox Rocks, um, you'll be able to get your tickets off of there. Um, please ensure that you come along. Kevin is a, a brilliant, brilliant guest. Uh, he talks a lot around, obviously, his time with the Bears, his time involved with uh, with the gaffer, Walter Smith, um, what he's doing at the moment just now with, uh, obviously, the under-18s, etc. And he's just a really engaging guy. And as much as we might enjoy having him there, he's just an absolute pleasure to listen to. Sometimes you just get captivated. Plus, um, we've had to put big Andy McGowan on the stage with him so we counterbalance how good-looking everybody is on the stage because the other boys are pretty ugly, uh, myself included. Um, if you do come along to the show, I would also urge you, please come along and give uh, David Edgar a big hug. He he doesn't like handshakes, he's a hugger. Um, <laughs> so give him a warm embrace. Uh, try and keep it connected for you know, maybe 5, 10, 15 seconds. Um, but in all seriousness, folks, please, if you enjoy what you're listening to, come over and check us out on Patreon. It's, it's an absolute bargain. 
um, and also our live shows are fantastic too. The last thing for me to do is to thank our executive producers in London, Mr Mike Lee and Mr Paul Myers, um, and also to bid a very, very fond farewell at the moment, but we'll be back very, very soon um, to my guest, uh, Mr David Marshall. Cheers, mate. And also the delightful Mr Andy McGowan. Thanks, Cammy. I'm, I'm working on a tap dance routine for because it's in a theatre. I think we should do something special, me and you. So we'll do one of those Morecambe and Wise tap dance routines, I think, and Kevin Thompson can come down the stairs after it. Oh, my goodness. It's going to be like something out of Young Frankenstein or something like that right at the tail end of it. OK, well, listen, folks, if you want to see that, that is surely worth 20 quid per head. Um, thanks so much for your time this week. We'll be back really soon um, after the international break. Um, please enjoy your week as it comes. Thanks very much now. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.